Welcome to A Bigger Life, where you can break through the distractions, stop, listen, and speak to God in prayer. I'm Dave Cover. I want to help you use the Bible as your conversation with God so you can live a bigger life. Now, I've talked in episodes in the past about how crucial it is for us to use our imagination in our prayer life, to use our imagination in our conversations with God, to use our imagination in how we see our lives in the context of the reality of God. Now, let me be clear. We're not trying to imagine something that doesn't exist. We're trying to use our imagination to better see with the eyes of our heart what we believe does exist because Jesus came and rose from the dead. We believe that is the greatest evidence of all, not to mention just the existence of the universe and all kinds of things that have to do with our moral conscience and the issues of the reality of the soul. I'm not going to get in right now to all the evidences of why I believe in God. What I'm trying to say is it's impossible to have conversations with God and to even live my life in the context of the reality of God without learning to use my imagination. Now, what I mean by that is if I'm writing a letter, if I've been gone and I'm writing a letter to my wife or when my kids were small to my my kids, my wife, it's really impossible for me to write any kind of a letter without imagining them, imagining the face of my wife, hearing what I'm writing, the face of my kids, reading what I'm writing. That imagination is part of this conversation I'm having through a letter. And that is what we're doing when we're reading God's letter, so to speak, to us. And when we are saying our prayers to him through the word of God, we're using our imagination as part of that conversation. We're picturing God, the reality of God in some way. Uh, If you're an athlete and you want to have a great drive when you're at the tee box you really need to imagine the right swing. You can't just go up there and just sort of do it. I mean, maybe you can. I'm not a great golfer, so what do I know? But from what I do know, imagining the swing is one of the ways to success, and at least it's the best thing for me. And I think that same reality, again, you're not imagining something that's not real, but you're imagining what is real in a way that makes it more real to you. And so that's why when we are learning to have conversations with God through the Bible, we want to pick passages of the Bible that are imaginative, they're illustrative. Poetry appeals to the imagination. It appeals to the emotion. That's why we use the Psalms a lot, because it is poetry. But also other parts of the Bible are very illustrative. They have poetic, imaginative word pictures. And that certainly is true with the last chapters of the Bible in the book of Revelation. We've looked at chapter 21, verses 1 through 7 episodes ago. What I want to do today is look at chapter 22, the very last chapter of the Bible. I just want to look at the first five verses of chapter 22. And I want us to see, I want you to see how using our imagination, because these are these are these are words that are meant to appeal to our imagination. They are meant to create explosive imagery in our mind and heart as we think of our relationship with God. And because these are the last chapters of the Bible, they are among the best chapters for understanding the context of our life, the big, the bigger story our life is in, the finish line. 
And so you really can't understand your life here in the middle of the timeline that is your life without understanding the end of the story. It's the end of the story that gives the meaning to everything before. And so that's why we always want to see the bigger story that our life is in, the narrative that our life is in. And the way we see that the most is by understanding the future, understanding the finish line, understanding the end of the story. And that's what we read here in Revelation 22. I'm just going to read the first few verses and talk about it for a sec. It says, Then the angel showed me, this is the Apostle John in his vision. So he's not going somewhere and seeing the future. He is in a cave and he is receiving a vision from the Spirit of God this is a vision. It's not, he's not seeing the reality of these events. He's seeing a vision that creates a poetic image of the future in some way. So in John's vision, he sees an angel. He says, the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal. Now this is meant to appeal to your imagination. Imagine this, the river of the water of life, bright as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the lamb. Now the lamb is this term, this picture, this poetic word picture, this imaginative picture of Jesus all throughout the book of Revelation, the one who became the sacrifice, who died on our behalf, became the sacrifice for all of our sins, became the sacrifice of all human failure, of the new humanity, of the lamb, of those who are in Christ. And so this river of the water of life, bright as crystal. Can you imagine that? Picture that in your mind. Bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life, with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Now this is explosive imagery. And both of the big word pictures, the, the river of the water of life, all throughout the Bible, this river of water, this streams of water, always refers to, in some way, God, and maybe more specifically, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. It's this river that God calls himself the, the fountain of living waters in Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13. Remember, Jesus referred to himself as the living water in John chapter 4 when he was talking at the woman at the well. And remember, we looked back in Psalm 36, verses 7 through 9, where David says, How precious is your steadfast love, O God. And that's part of the river image in some way, that, that God's river is a river of, of love. It's a river of God's presence and love. How precious is your steadfast love, O God. The children of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your delights. For with you is the fountain of life. This has always been all throughout the Bible, this image of this river of water, this fountain of life here in Revelation 22, verse 1, the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street, the city. 
uh, this new kingdom, this heaven returning back to earth and restoring the earth to the glory that it was meant to be. And those who are there are resurrected, just like Christ's resurrected body on a resurrected earth. And this is a picture of the kingdom of God returning. This is a picture of heaven returning to earth when Jesus returns to earth, when the lamb returns to earth. And there is this image of the throne of God and this river, water bright as crystal, the water of life flowing from the presence of God, the throne of God on either side of this river is the tree of life. Now, that's strange, right? The tree of life is on both sides of the river. So don't let your logic cause confusion here. This is not meant to walk on all fours as an illustration. It's meant to just be explosive in imaginative imagery. The tree of life is also this this metaphor, this image of, of God. And we see in the first chapters of Genesis... We see it in other places that's always referring to God himself. This tree that appeared to Moses, the burning tree, the burning bush that did not get consumed by the fire was the presence of God on earth. And this tree of life in the garden is illustrative. It's poetic. It's an imagery, I believe, in some sense of God himself. It's imagery. And eating from the tree gives eternal life. God gives eternal life. And here this imagery is explosive. Twelve kinds of fruit. Now, I think that's referring to the 12 tribes of Israel, the 12 apostles of Jesus. This number 12 is explosive all throughout the book of Revelation as a metaphor for the new community, the new humanity that is centered on Jesus Christ, this resurrected community yielding its fruit each month. This tree is always yielding the fruit of life. It's always yielding the fruit that says the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations, that the presence of God is bringing life and healing and restoration, resurrection, and the water of life. That we all have this instinct and desire and longing for love, a life of of love, but yet none of us could ever say that love is any kind of way the chief attribute of our lives. We long for it, and yet we fail so miserably at it, and then death causes loss and separation, and this, I believe, this river of the water of life and this tree of life, this explosive imagery of the presence of God and all that God is, this tree that gives life, this water of life. And I believe that love and the presence of God and healing and glory is all part of this imagery and that perfect love would be forever in the kingdom of God and always be flowing, always bearing fruit in our lives, bringing healing to our lives, wiping every tear from our eyes, 1 John 4, 8, the Apostle John says that God is love. And so he's the source of love. He's the river that is the source of love. He is the tree of life that is the source of love. This full and complete presence of God will be the full and complete presence of the purest love, the love of God forever. And all throughout the Bible, that is the 
description of God that's most often used, his steadfast love. And we've seen that in the Psalms. We saw that again, like I said in the verse I read, Psalm 36, 7, how precious is your steadfast love, O God. They feast on the abundance of your house. You give them drink from the river of your delights. This is all part of this imagery. For with you is the fountain of life your steadfast love. It's all part of the same imagery. So what comes to your mind when you think of this river of life and love, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and from the Lamb, from Jesus, coming all throughout everywhere in the kingdom of God, this restored earth, and on all sides of this river, is the tree of life that is bearing its fruit each month. The leaves are for the healing of the nations. This is the story of the gospel. This is the narrative of your life. If you're part of this new humanity that is being created by the lamb, by the sacrifice of the lamb and his resurrection, it's in this river and by this tree that our hearts will be flooded with God's love and the fruit of God's love bearing fruit of love in our lives. It flows forever and it will continually flow and satisfy our souls and create in us relationships of love. Everyone will be transformed by this tree. Everyone will be satisfied by this river of crystal clear water flowing into our lives from Christ and we will be reflecting perfectly the glory of God and the image of God and the dignity that comes from being restored to the image of God and we will be radiant with beauty and glory and grace and love and God makes everyone and everything new, always refreshingly new. Everyone in heaven on the new heaven and new earth, the heaven that comes back to earth, will flourish in immortal youth and freshness. Age will diminish. Nobody's beauty or any kind of glory will live forever, but it won't bring a sense of decay. It will always bring a sense of renewed life and love. This is why it says we will be able to reign with him forever and ever. We will be like him in his glory and his beauty and his ability to love forever. We'll reflect his glory, reflect his love, reflect his image, and therefore rule with him, create with him over his creation as we were originally intended to do. It says in Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 28. Remember that quote from C.S. Lewis. He says, remember that the dullest and most uninteresting person you can talk to may one day be a creature which, if you saw them now, you would be strongly tempted to worship. This transformation of what will take place is some, in some way how we have to see each other now. Imagine for a moment the, the person in your life your spouse, your wife, your husband, or, or your roommate, or your kids, or your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister, people at work, even those you have a difficult time with, your friends, people at church, your next door neighbor, I don't care who it is, the person in front of you in line, the person that cuts you off in the road, all these people, if they are going to be in the lamb, people of the lamb, they're going to be radiant 
with the beauty and the glory of Christ and the love of Christ and imagine them now like that and treat them now with that kind of love and dignity and imagine yourself like that. And so love others like that now. Think of yourself like that now. God does, I believe. Think of yourself like that now, and you'll live more and more into that. That's part of living this bigger life, this bigger story. And seeing the end has everything to do with our ability to imagine that now and live that now. Imagine this kind of love without envy, without jealousy, without pride, without insecurity. There won't be any sense of anybody feeling left out or excluded or gossiped about or in any kind of way marginalized or second class. No more secret desires for friends to fail uh, so that you look better. None of that. We'll have this perfect love. Everybody will be fully satisfied by God's love, this river that flows from his throne, his presence, this tree of life that bears fruit in our lives. And where there is perfect satisfaction, there can be no reason for envy or jealousy or selfishness or slander. We'll have resurrected bodies without sin. There won't be any envy, jealousy, or selfishness or slander anywhere in this renewed kingdom of God because all things are always going to be made new and we will not sense any lacking in comparison to others but the things that make us different will be things that we rejoice in and that we admire people for without being insecure in in ourselves in any kind of way because we'll have glorious strengths too that are different. Imagine that kind of world that will be true then. And so imagine that as the context of your relationships now. So then verse 3, going back to Revelation 22, verse 3 says, No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. Now don't have this image of slaves worshiping in a master, but his servants is this biblical view. Remember, Joseph was the servant of Pharaoh, and yet he was number two in all the land of Egypt. He had a job of power and a job of dignity and glory as he ruled over Egypt. He was the servant of Pharaoh, but he was a ruler. And that is what I think this means here. The servants of God will worship him as we rule with him and rule over his creation and reflect his love and share in his love and reflect his glory. And it says in verse four, they will see his face. And his name will be on their foreheads. Again, this doesn't quite translate because we don't have the same traditions, but a name means that we belong. We share the dignity. We share the glory. We reflect his glory. We reflect his name. We have his jersey on. We're on his team. We're his servants. We see his face. We get to come before him and live in his presence and share in his beauty and glory and dignity. And I think this is important even now to imagine in some sense God name on your forehead. You belong to him. He has marked you with a seal of his glory and his ownership and his beauty and his protection. And he's not going to let anything snatch you out of his hand. You belong to him. Verse five, and night will be no more. Now that's not saying there's not going to be night on the restored creation, but night here being again, an imagery, poetic imagination of evil. Night will be no more, and they will need no light or lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign with him forever 
and ever. Again, doesn't mean there's not going to be a sun. It's poetic imagery. This is a vision for the idea that there will not be any evil. And just as the sun permeates everything with its light, God will permeate everything with his love and his glory and his beauty. And we will reign forever and ever as God's image of beauty and love and glory and power and goodness and righteousness without sin, nothing accursed, no more night, no more evil. This is the story of the gospel. This is the promise of scripture. This is the last chapter of the Bible. This is the bigger life that your life is in. This is the narrative that your life is in. If you are a person of the Lamb, if you are trusting in Jesus as your king, you want him to be your king. You want, you're drawn to him to love him. Doesn't mean you love him with perfect love. I don't know that anybody does this side of the resurrection, but that's a seed you have in you and you want it to grow, which is why you're listening to this podcast and why you're being a part of this because it's a desire you have in your heart, even if just in seed form, just like me. So let me lead us in a moment here of praying through these five verses. Let's make the imagery in these verses go deeper now into our heart, go deeper into our soul as we converse back to God with these verses. Oh God, you are the river, the water of life, bright as crystal. Your throne is the source of the fountain of living waters and love and satisfaction for our thirsty soul. Only you satisfy you're the only living water. You're the only fountain of life. There is no water. There is no fountain of life. There is no river of the water of life, bright as crystal anywhere else but you. It is you. In you alone. You are the tree of life. Your fruit heals. Your fruit satisfies. Your fruit gives eternal life. Not just eternal existence, but eternal life immortality that is renewed every day of it as if there's never any aging. We will live forever and yet have this renewal that comes from the tree of life and this satisfaction that comes from the love and the glory and the beauty and the joy and the goodness and righteousness of you being present in our lives, our lives being present in your radiance like the sun shines on the earth, we will see your glory and live in your beauty and drink from your river of your delights and feed on the abundance of your house, on the tree of life. All this imagery that we imagine that shows us that our life is more than just about believing the right things. It's about this relationship with you, this explosive conversation with the God who created the universe and created us and wants to have a relationship with us, wants us to talk to you and live with you and live in your love and feed on you and drink from you as the source of our satisfaction. And so I do that now. I just look to you as my satisfaction. I look to you as my tree of life. I look to you as the fountain of living water, bright as crystal. I look to you as the sun that shines light and warmth and glory into my life. 
and I give thanks to you that there will be no more night. There'll be nothing accursed. We will see your face and we will reign forever and ever as your image of love and your image of glory and your image of beauty and joy as we rule over your creation with you with dignity, security, without jealousy, without envy, without pride, but the joy and satisfaction of loving one another and rejoicing in one another's strengths and glories without in any kind of way being envious or jealous or insecure. I thank you for this narrative that is right now defining my life, even now my relationships, even now my marriage, my family, people I work with, people I live in community and society with, even now it influences, it shapes, it compels me to be this person now. I thank you that you have marked me with your seal on my forehead, so to speak, that I belong to you. I am protected by you. I am important to you. And I will reign with you forever and ever in a resurrection just like Jesus and a righteousness just like Jesus, a love and power just like Jesus, a glory just like Jesus, and a new community centered around Jesus. And this defines my life now, today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to A Bigger Life, a podcast of The Crossing, a church in Columbia, Missouri. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and give it a rating so people can find this content more easily or consider texting it to a friend or posting it on social media. Thanks for listening.